Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, January 31st, 2016. I had a lot of fun watching this week's show. There's just something about it right now that's very quippy, very fresh, very zingy. <laughs> I'm totally in. And probably most excitingly for me, I'm totally back in to Phyllis. I was all about Gina Tognoni when she first took over the role. She was fierce. And then over the course of the past couple of months, maybe it was, maybe I could attribute it to the Marco storyline and the aftermath of that. Uh, YNR was showing us a little bit more of her sensitive side, a little bit more of her kitten side, but this week the claws are coming out. <laughs> and I love it. I was really impressed with Gina Tognoni. She was delivering a Phyllis that I feel like we haven't seen in a while. She was dominating. She is revealed to be the other investor who is trying now to use Natalie and her program as a way to get back at Victor. It's perfect. I love it. I loved the scene where Phyllis revealed herself to Natalie as being the person who had Adam kidnapped and the person who who was actually giving her the initial investment that Natalie just went and spent and Phyllis straight up telling her, oh, you already got away from me once. You took my money and tried to run away. You're not going to do it again. Do you really want to work with Victor Newman on this project and let him steal it away from you? Or do you want to work with me? and still have your name associated with it. I really liked the the dynamic between those two. And Natalie, for someone who is both new on the show and young and not necessarily, uh, you know, the actress being comfortable in the role, I thought held her own really well in that scene and straight up told Phyllis, oh, okay, I see. You want a war with Victor. Well, all right. I'll play your game. I'll pretend to be on board with Victor and at the last minute pull a switcheroo, leaving him with a bum software program and providing Phyllis with the real deal. It's kind of a win-win for everybody except for Victor. <laughs> oh man, I like the way this twisted. I like Natalie a lot. She may very well be a con artist, but she's being written really well. I think she's being played with a sort of, it's a weird mix of being savvy and being naive and being socially awkward, yet she seems to see the characters in a totally, a, a light that maybe we haven't seen them in a while. I feel like looking at the members of the citizens of Genoa City through Natalie's fresh eyes is giving me something different. I laughed a lot as she's starting to piece together who's who in Genoa City, even saying to Phyllis, um, is there a Mr. Phyllis? Because I'm feeling kind of sorry for him right now. <laughs> that was great. And it's cool to see her I don't know, working her way through these people and maybe giving them a little bit of a taste of some of their own medicine. I think Natalie's been great. I think Phyllis has been great. I think Victoria is going to be on their butts. Like, it's, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited. The thing is... Phyllis is hiding this huge secret and she's doing it in part for herself, but she's doing it in part to provide Billy with a sense of revenge that he was looking for against Victor and a sense of pride and accomplishment over being able to retrieve this and be a part of this huge software program. So Billy and Phyllis are working together to keep this secret while it seems like there are quite a few people waiting at the door to figure it all out. First and foremost would be Dylan and Kevin. They wanna know who kidnapped Adam. 
They want to know who this other investor is. They're doing their little investigator thing, which I just have to mention was another one of those moments where I was loving YNR because of the great little quippiness uh, between Dylan and Kevin having their list of suspects of who the, the woman might be. Is it Ashley Abbott? Is it Jack and Phyllis? Or no, 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 maybe. It's Nikki. <laughs> I loved Dylan going, oh, that's my mom, dude. <laughs> and Kevin was into it. He was like, you know what? I'm going to put her on my suspect list. I think she's she's got potential. So I'm sure we're going to see Dylan and maybe Kevin knocking on doors to try to figure out who this other investor is. But then we have Jack. Is Jack going to figure out what Phyllis is up to? Billy already kind of gave Jack a clue. It's clear that Billy is not entirely comfortable with the fact that he's keeping this secret from his brother, from his wife. And he already let Jack in on it a little bit, but nada to Victoria. It's gonna be a series of Billy having to lie to keep this from Victoria, which is ultimately not in his best interest. I would like to believe that Billy cares more about developing his relationship with Victoria and rebuilding that bond than Revenge on Victor. The, the project, the software project, was always, in his mind, designed to be something he could be proud about and show his family that he had accomplished something. And now we're right back to square one. Now we're right back to Billy working on secret deals in the shadows, sort of like with Paragon, to overthrow Victor or get revenge on Victor while keeping Victoria completely in the dark about it. But Victoria is not dumb. Victoria walked in on a scene in the hospital between Phyllis and Billy and Natalie sniffing around and Victoria knows something is up. She doesn't trust Natalie, which I also think is going to be an endless well of hilarious entertainment. I just about lost my mind when Victoria, who is going to be overseeing this little part of the project now on Victor's behalf, uh, Victoria comes in and is getting up on Natalie's case and telling her that she's going to do things by the book and that Victoria's going to be watching her. And Natalie, like, as Victoria's leaving the room, Natalie, just under her breath, mumbles, Dragon Lady. And Victoria goes, I heard that, and closes the door behind her. That was fabulous! I laughed. If that is any kind of indicator of how much fun Natalie is going to bring to the landscape of the show, I am in 1,000%. <laughs> it was good. And... Last week's poll question was, do you think that Natalie could be a Genoa City heir? Could she actually be someone's daughter? Or, you know, is she just maybe one of these sideline characters that will come and go? But the overwhelming majority of you have your suspicious eyebrow up. 62% said, yes, Natalie is someone's daughter for sure. Um, let's take a look here. Um... Eric says that Natalie is Nick and Dr. Anderson's secret love child. Sharita says she thinks, again, Nick and Dr. Anderson have a daughter and uh, that she had to give Natalie up and that's why she stole Christian Whoa, whoa, blow my mind. And uh, again, Tony says also Nick and Sandy, uh, or maybe Kevin's sister somehow. I think that's really interesting. I never would have connected Natalie to what's going on with Dr. Anderson. So that blows my mind, you guys. I was thinking more in the direction of maybe she was a Newman heir because there is this dynamic that's happening between Natalie and Victor and a dynamic that's happening between Victoria and Natalie. And I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be hilarious if they turned out to be long lost sisters somehow? But I don't know, you guys. That seems to be the what everyone is saying, that it's Nick and Sandy's daughter, so I guess maybe Dragon Lady's just going to end up being Aunt Victoria?
Adam is safe and sound. He was reunited with Chelsea. It all happened in, what, one episode? There wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't dragged out in any way. Pretty much the whole swap got resolved very, very quickly in one or two episodes. Adam's home now. He had a very nice welcome home lovemaking scene with Chelsea. I loved it. You know, I loved that scene. It was nice. It was slow in their bedroom. It was well lit. They have this big, beautiful bed. They had that gorgeous song playing over the scene. I just about lost my mind when, oh, we are seeing Adam and Chelsea's actions and it's, but the whole audio is that gorgeous song and we, and Chelsea takes her top off to reveal her, what her bra that she's, beautiful bra that she's wearing and Adam just takes one look at her and mouths wow <laughs> oh that was good that was just such a nice little it was it was um it was very indicative of their relationship because it was it was you know it was clear that these are two people that love each other desire each other and that's kind of what daytime is all about I feel like that scene was such a, a very nice representation of the best of daytime so that was great it was it was it was very uh, shortly interrupted though. I mean Adam and Chelsea for as much fire as there is. Uh, it just seems like there's always lately something lurking in the background to come in between them, which again is what daytime is, right? It, it, it's couples that you love to see break up and get reunited or go through struggles, but they always come back together. I was shocked to see Luca Santori show up at Adam's condo front door, blah, blah, blabbing about their secret plan. You don't know who was in the condo. Victor could have been sitting right there in the living room and and Luca, he's just dumb in some ways. He's just cute and hot and sexy and dark and, and steamy and a little spicy, but but dumb. He's dumb. <laughs> I mean, first of all, he's he's blab blab blabbing about this plan and luckily for him it wasn't in front of Victor but it was in front of Chelsea why you just want to go bust out your cohort to his wife Chelsea is not dumb she is picking up on hey wait a minute wait a minute what's going on here between Luca and uh and my husband I mean obviously it was it was something that she was not in the know about and it was very awkward and awesome though exchange I liked that Chelsea called him out right in front of Luca saying you know this you know fine fine you guys want to talk your little secret business plan I'll, I'll go off on my own and she goes straight to Marissa who tells her what Marissa knows which is that the two guys are working together to bring down their fathers and I totally feel for Chelsea in this moment because it plays to her insecurities about Adam. She, you're, why are you doing this, Adam? You're playing with fire and you don't need to. And she even said to him right before she walked out the door, you know what, this is so like you and I hate it. So this is a woman who knows who her husband is and her worst fear is that he's going to turn in to Victor. So it's understandably, uh, she's understandably concerned about it, but that's not exactly what's going on. There's more context to this relationship between Adam and Luca. And I, at first, uh, several weeks ago when they started developing their partnership, I thought it was great. I really thought they were working together, but the, the, the twist is that Adam and Victor are working together to try to get Luca to, I don't know, bust himself out. Like, Luca hands over this folder of incriminating evidence on his father, on Mr. Big Santori, to Adam. Why would he even do that? It doesn't make sense if if I'm looking at it from uh from Luca's perspective. It like why would he need Adam to help him bust out his father? There's no logic there whatsoever. Luca can bring down his father on his own. Adam, if he wanted to, could bring down his father on his own. They're not intertwined except for the fact that Luca's kind of working at Newman Enterprises. So, it just makes Luca looked like 
a chump and it makes Marissa look like a chump. It's also putting Marissa in danger for giving up her little secrets from her little diary. She's probably going to be the one who takes the fall in all of this because Mr. Santori is probably going to catch whiff of the fact that his son is doing this and blame Marissa for it. And I just sense that there's going to be some kind of danger for her in the very near future, you know, outside of just getting kidnapped, <laughs> zip tied to a bed and released. <laughs> It's like catching a fish and letting them go. Okay. Well, after Chelsea learns the truth from Adam that the connection and the partnership between he and Luca is just a ruse, he's really just helping Victor, she's relieved on one end that it's not as bad as she thought it was, that it's not going to be Adam working against Victor, but it, it's solemn comfort that he's working with Victor. It's really no better. Chelsea understands who Adam is at his core, which is someone who's constantly trying to please his father. And if Adam is still trapped in this cycle of seeking affirmation and attention from Victor that he'll never really get they're never really going to be able to build their own lives and move on uh, from from some of the negativity that they've had in the past. I mean, in, in the meantime, while Adam is, you know, trying to tell her that he is working with Victor, he's getting sucked into Victor's seedy world. And even though we know that there is a back context to why Adam is working with Victor, I still see Adam and I still understand Chelsea's point of view that there's still something there where Adam wants approval from his father. I just don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, so, which is another reason why I absolutely appreciated Chelsea's conversation with Nikki. Nikki drops by with her cute, short, little new bob haircut to look at some of Chelsea's dresses. Loved it. And they start talking. I mean, these are the two women <laughs> who are the women behind probably the, uh, the, the same man. I mean, at, at the core, Adam and Victor are very, very alike. And Chelsea's kind of asking Nikki's advice. How do you do this? And Nikki is imparting her years of wisdom. This is a woman who's had to deal with this type of man and knowing what it's like to be married to a Victor Newman for years. So I appreciated that Nikki talked to Chelsea in this sage sort of way. I liked that she offered any kind of help that that she could and, and telling her, look, you're gonna be faced with lots of long hours. It's gonna look like he's choosing work over you. The only thing you really can do is just love him. And it gave Chelsea a lot to think about. I absolutely loved that that scene between Nikki and Chelsea was contrasted with a similar scene between Adam and Victor. I mean, Victor, don't even bother trying to give relationship advice. <laughs> uh, Victor had to, well, because uh, Adam had to admit that he had to tell Chelsea about what was going on between he and Luca and what the plan is. And Victor tries to tell him about what it's like to have to manage your wife inside of shady business dealings. And Victor said something like, I have a policy of keeping my wife out of it. No, you have a policy of lying to your wife. And I wouldn't suggest that you train your son to do the same. Ugh. But I, I think... We understand as the audience that Adam is being blackmailed into working for Victor. Even though I believe that Adam does have this sense of wanting to make his father proud, I think he also really wants to take over that company. And I think he all, I think there's a part of him that thinks the only way he really can truly make Victor proud is by overthrowing him, is by trumping him, is by showing that he is smarter and stronger. That is how he thinks he's going to get Victor's respect. So I believe there is a secret plan that Adam's working on that only Adam knows about to indeed throw over Newman Enterprises and keep all of the spoils for himself. 
uh, Adam suggests that Victor take a little vacation. Why don't you step back from the company, take a little time off. I'll stay here. I'll keep an eye on things. Victor has Victoria to keep an eye on things. And so, and surprisingly, Victor agrees to step back, take a little time off, which I'm assuming is kind of, uh, it must be somehow in tandem with Eric Braden's yearly vacation. I'm, I'm assuming uh, Eric Braden's probably going to go off and, gosh, I don't know, maybe travel the world. Uh, so I think maybe we're not going to be seeing as much Victor over the next several weeks. I will miss him. He is a constant source of drama for the show. So I th I'll definitely miss seeing him around. But I think while the cat's away, that mouse is going to play. Chelsea had a haunting line at the end of her conversation with Adam, where she said to him something to the fact of, uh, prior to him going to Victor's office, something to the fact of, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're working with Victor, if you're working against him, this all leads to the battle to end all battles, which I thought was a great line and also probably an indicator of where this is going. I mean, it is going to be all out, it's, it, and it always is, it's all out war coming from multiple angles. I mean, Phyllis is going to be warring at Victor. Adam's going to be warring at Victor. <laughs> this is going to be big. It's going to be a big blowout. Well, after Adam has this conversation with Victor, he goes back home to talk to Chelsea, and he accidentally lets slip that he's being forced to work with Victor. And Chelsea says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I asked you if Victor was blackmailing you into working at Newman Enterprises, and you said no. So now I see that there's a little more to this story. He is holding something over your head. What is it? A child with another woman, perhaps? The evil Dr. Anderson plants a seed with her little pet project, Sharon, that Sage should not be allowed anywhere near Sully, and it doesn't take much suggestion for Sharon to agree. She starts to look at Sage in a new light, and it causes a big blow-up between Sharon and Sage when Sharon's like, eh, maybe you shouldn't be hanging around my child, because Dr. Anderson says so. And Sage is like, what? What? I am so tired of this woman getting involved in my life. She and Sharon have a fight. Then Sage goes to Nick and says, you know what? We need to enact our plan. We need to make sure that this, whatever it is that this woman is trying to do, it doesn't get accomplished, even though unfortunately it already has. So Nick and Sage are working together. Let's let Dr. Anderson think that she's being successful. Let's let her think that she is causing a wedge between us. And then you can work on the side to get to know her, get close to her and find out what her real story is. So Sage is taking this opportunity to play it up. There was this incredible scene at the uh, athletic club. I mean, woo! Sage just she just absolutely lost her mind. Nick is sitting, but it was great and it was planned. Uh, she's sitting, Nick is sitting at the table with Dr. Anderson trying to get her to open up and say this and that. And Sage marches right up and is like, what? You're having dinner together? Or, you know, kind of play, hamming it up that she doesn't like Dr. Anderson and doesn't like her husband being around him. And it just erupts into this huge fight in the middle of the athletic club. Sage smacks Nick right in the face like you betray her and then she hauls off and punches Dr. Anderson. Damn! Oh, it was awesome. I double love you, Sage. <laughs> How could you not love Sage after all that? She's had so many like great actions and great lines like stay away from my husband you evil sick twisted bitch <laughs> that was so good and it's just like she's playing it like she's she is at an 11 
she is at an 110 with the crazy, like going around saying, you know, it's Dr. Anderson making everybody think that I'm sick and I'm not sick, I'm not sick. And I mean, if she wasn't playing it up and if we didn't know it was part of a larger plan, Sage looks like the crazy one. I mean, even in that scene between Sage and Sharon, Sage looks like the crazy one. <laughs> but there's also, it's even though I know that it's a plan, there's still a part of me that's watching her like, I mean, is there, how much of this is play acting and it, how much of it is actually real? Is there any part of Sage that is actually losing it? Because it would be incredibly frustrating and insane inducing to have somebody getting up in your life trying to make you look crazy and break up your marriage. Oh my goodness. Sage, Sage was just on fire this week and I I laughed because later Nick even admits like when Sage punches Dr. Anderson he goes it, it was kind of hot <laughs> that made me laugh that's Nick in a nutshell <laughs> frankly he's he can't pay attention to what the plan is for very long before oh 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 you know he's got his his little eyes start to wander into sex that's who the man is God bless him. <laughs> oh man, I thought I, I just thought it was so great. Um, shoot, the problem is I think for both Sage and Nick that they're in deeper than they really planned. The fact that Sage punched Dr. Anderson, not just slapped her, by the way. I mean, you know that felt good. Sage was probably working out. That was that was probably worth therapy right there. Who needs therapy when you can just suck your enemy? I mean, it wasn't even like a slap. She straight up punched her in her face. Dr. Anderson, though, is not going to let that happen. She's just, you know, it's working perfectly, though, because Dr. Anderson is thinking, oh, yeah, I'm really making her look nuts. And, and on top of it all, I'm going to press charges which is going to get Sage thrown in jail. Although I will say there was a moment where the cops come in and I can't remember what the circumstance was, but for some reason the question was, well, I'll tell you what, you can either go get help and I won't press charges or you can go to jail. And Sage is like, Psh, forget you, I'd rather go to jail. That was badass. She punched her and rather than being like, um, all right, she just, I'll go to jail. <laughs> I'd rather go, I'd rather go Go sit in a cell all night, then 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 give in to what you want. Ugh, bad ass sage, man. <laughs> so inner. Oh, it's great. Um, but. She did end up having to sit in jail overnight, which is no fun. The reality starts to set in, and she is probably afraid. She comes in, she talks to Nick, and they both affirm that, yeah, this is the plan. Uh, it's getting a little intense here, though. And Sage just says, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You just keep doing what you're doing, and we're going to figure it out one way or the other. Well, Nick ends up having a conversation with Dr. Anderson in which she offers... Again, just commit Sage to the mental hospital at Memorial for 72 hours and I'll drop all the charges. And Nick does it. He signs the papers and has his wife committed, which, by the way, Sage didn't know about. That, I mean, she knows that Nick, they agree that they're kind of on the same page. But I wonder if this, if the fact that they are pretend fighting is going to end up causing real problems in their relationship. Because Sage walks out into the jail, uh, main, that little jail area, lobby area, and sees that Nick has just committed her to going to the, the mental hospital and opening her up to whatever Dr. Anderson could want to do to her. I mean, that had to have been shocking. That's kind of an issue. It's just, I, can't, I, I cannot even express to you, by the way, how totally unacceptable it is that Dr. Anderson would be the treating physician. That's wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, I was at least hopeful that they didn't send her to Fairview, so I thought, okay, at least that keeps Dr. Anderson away from Sage, but Dr. Anderson's still there in her little lab coat talking to Sage. If she is the victim, how can she be the, the treating physician, too? Surely someone needs to notice that that's an inc incredible conflict of interest. Ugh, but it is soap opera. <laughs> I have to remind myself of that. Hey, speaking of, um, there was a fun little 
scene for Survivor fans that I didn't want to forget to mention this week. Nick is in the coffee house and two of the more popular Survivor characters were sitting there. I don't even know. They were talking about balancing acts and it was sort of tongue-in-cheek Survivor stuff. It was Joe and Jeremy uh, from Survivor Second Chance and I think they even made some comment about Second Chances. Uh, I thought it was kind of cute because I am a Survivor fan too. So Survivor fans enjoyed that. If you didn't, if you're not a Survivor fan, you were probably like, what's this scene with these two goofballs? <laughs> and I, I, although I did enjoy that, I will, uh, I will say, I don't want to see too much of that YNR because they do a lot of that on Bold and the Beautiful. Every time the season of Big Brother ends, they pick up their most popular castmates from that season and they plop them on Bold and the Beautiful and they do a little tongue-in-cheek writing to work them into the show to cross-promote CBS shows. I get it, but but YNR has not done that very much. So I don't want to see YNR turning in to the, the cross-promote other CBS shows drama hour. <laughs> so it was cute, but don't keep it up. Put them on Bold and the Beautiful. That's my junk. That's my junk food. YNR is my meal. <laughs> Bone Beautiful is my junk food. <laughs> like, why? I don't want to talk, I hate to talk too much about the two, but it's like, YNR gives me stuff to really chew on. It is like the meat. Bold and Beautiful, it's just, Bold and Beautiful is just who's sleeping together, who slept together, who's gonna sleep together, who, who wants to sleep together, and then toss in some Big Brother and Survivor references too. Like, you don't have to think too hard about Bold and Beautiful. <laughs> So I don't want YNR to turn into that as much as I like that too. Oh, anywho, I, I tell ya, I love this storyline. I've been a fan of Sage for a pr pretty long while now. I think I was an early supporter of Sage. Uh, I, and I think that this storyline is going to develop in a very uh, interesting way. It already is. I'm just overjoyed that for once Nick is actually in on the plan. That's what makes this storyline refreshing. As I mean, because it, it wouldn't be new if it was just Sage doing this on her own and not telling Nick. And, and you know, kind of like in the way that Nikki was trying to make Victor think that she was having an affair. Like, it's not, it's, it's above board. It's all on like the, the husband and the wife are actually, you know, the, it's not uncommon for a third party, a third you know, or a second woman to come in and try to break up a relationship on a soap opera. But the fresh twist here is that the husband and wife are actually working together to try to stop it from happening and find out why it's happening in the first place. So I'm glad that Nick is not being hoodwinked by the woman, which, by the way, is sort of um, it, it's it's historically what happens to his character. That's all Nick does. Nick just Nick just has sex and gets fooled. <laughs> and that's not what we're getting now. Unless I, I, I will say this, unless Sage actually did know that Adam was the father of her baby, but pulled the switcheroo with the test results, that would make Nick a fool in one way. Because, and I, I tell you, it sure as hell makes a lot more sense that Sage would have switched those test results than that Adam did it. Abby, Stitch, and little Max returned from a long day of skiing uh, to, to come to the coffee house for their Wisconsin hot chocolates. <laughs> and I think Stitch is doing a better job of trying to unite this new little family this week as opposed to last week when it seemed like he just wasn't really trying to make any real connections between Abby and Max. Uh, and Abby is definitely trying the best that she knows how to try, which is not very well. <laughs> I do feel bad for her because she's she's doing everything that she can possibly think of to entertain Max and to try to get into his favor. And she's going to be stuck with him. I mean, Stitch is a doctor. He is going to be gone a lot. So the truth is, Abby is going to become one of Max's primary caregivers, whether he or she or anybody likes it or not. Stitch was not very happy that Abby took Max to the lab to meet her mother and Dr. Neville, which I kind of felt was a big overreaction from Stitch. Look, either you trust your wife with your son 
or you don't really have a strong marriage and it's not all going to work out. She's going to need to do what she, she needs to do. You can't leave Max with her and then not be happy that she took her to meet her mother. I thought that was a perfectly acceptable thing to do. I loved the little scene. Uh, well, first of all, I loved he, having uh, Abby and Ashley having a moment together to talk about being a stepmother and Ashley mentioning that she used to be little Victoria's stepmother and Victoria used to call her the Wicked Witch. Oh, and it's because Nikki put her up to it. That was so great. I don't remember that. That was before I was watching the show. So did, do you remember that? I think uh, it'd be good to hear from some veteran YNR viewers this week if you actually remember that little twist and tell me more about it. I'd love to hear about all of the ways that Nikki planted seeds with little Victoria to try to make Ashley miserable to get to break up her marriage with Victor. That's so great. Um, but I also, you know, I did enjoy little uh, Max's interaction with Dr. Neville. I thought that was fun. He just has this delivery. I mean, he was just standing there looking at the kid like, mm, I don't really like you, child, but I I think I may I can entertain you. I can I can give you a science experiment and teach you how to make goo. And Max was fascinated with it. It's like, you know, Stitch doesn't like Dr. Neville, but Dr. Neville did a really good job with Max. In fact, I tell ya, I think that Dr. Neville has a kid somewhere that we're still trying to, that maybe will come out later. Because there just seemed to be a little something there when he was working with Max, like he was good with kids or something. Or maybe he has a son, or maybe he has a daughter. Maybe he has a daughter who is a computer whiz? I don't know. I just gotta throw out all my potential ideas, even though, I don't know, maybe it's already written in stone that Natalie is... Uh, is uh, Sandy and Nick's. I don't know if I'm going to like that. I don't know if I'm going to like that Nick has a new daughter. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I'll give myself a week to let that sink in. <laughs> but uh, back on track, things are thriving and progressive and, yes, even a little sexy in the lab at Jabot, which is right where I like it. The treatment is working. Oh, Ashley's brain tumor is <laughs> miraculously retreating. Her numbers are looking better, and she's just so overjoyed that she embraces Dr. Neville and plans a big, sexy Ashley Abbott kiss right on his lips. Mwah! And Dr. Neville's face is like eyes wide open, like a goo 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 goo. <laughs> he was probably glad that he was wearing a very long, baggy lab coat <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, there's my edginess, right? That's how I'm edgy. I made a boner joke. <laughs> oh, forgive me. Forgive me, but it's what I was thinking in the moment. <laughs> oh, man, it was good. I love that man. I love that man. I tell ya, I am feeling a little better about Miss Abby, though, too. I know that she's a dork, and I know that she's a little flighty and a little dumb, but I think that her intentions are good, and I, th I, I feel like once I let go of what I want Abby to be, and I just am sort of going with what this actress is giving us, I f I'm a little bit more on board. I'm a little bit more able to relax with her. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Tracy, almost. It's like, she, you know, she's, she's I, I think that she has, I trying to warm up to to Abby's potential. I liked it. The, I liked watching her journey this week where Noah first and foremost is telling he's bitter about Victor. I don't I wonder if Noah's going to end up end up being someone who works with Adam to actually take Victor out. But uh, Noah is stewing over the fact that Victor his grandfather had his girlfriend kidnapped and uh, didn't pay for it. Noah turned Victor into the FBI Noah is probably going to play, now that I think about it, a much, much more major role than I originally kind of thought of as far as bringing Victor down. He's also somebody 
who has a vendetta that he wants to enact, but he is feeling that negativity toward Victor and his cousin Abby works for Victor. So Noah jabs her in just the right spot saying, you know, all you are is a glorified lapdog at Newman Enterprises. And then Jack follows it up. He's trying to rally the Abbots to rebuild Jabot. So he's asking Ashley and Billy and Abby to come work at the company. Only Billy was the one who, um, who took him up on the offer because Abby starts thinking, you know, I, I really don't want to spend my life trapped between the Abbots and the Newmans. And that's a really smart thing. You know, for somebody who is ditzy, that's a really smart decision. So she goes to work at the lab with her mother and Dr. Neville instead, which I, I really, I think there's so much potential here. I think Abby's bubbly, airy persona is going to drive dry, crusty Dr. Neville crazy, which is going to be a great dynamic. Damn, Neil looked good in that three-piece suit. My jaw just about dropped when he walked into the lab for that investor's meeting. I just, I love a three-piece suit. Neil looked slick this week, and oh my gosh, Hillary was a freaking knockout in that like black leather and lace dress. She looked so good. It was so perfect for that meow meow scene with Nikki. Wow! Giving Nikki a vicious piece of her mind because she thinks that Nikki is having an affair with Neil and Hillary did not hold back. She said, Nikki, Drop that high society act. We both know you were a stripper. Ah, that was so good. I was so glad they showed it twice. They showed it in the preview for Thursday, for the previews at the end of Thursday's show, and then they showed it on Friday, and I was like, that was so good. Drop that high society act. We both know you were a stripper. Oh, man, file that under. Oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> Nikki just about lost her mind. She, you know, it's like anytime you want to get up under Nikki's skin, it's, it's, it's a good way to do it. Nikki just kind of like holds herself up and says, oh, Neil and I are having, a having an affair, little girl, and it's glorious. <laughs> oh, that scene was just pure candy for me. Even though Hillary slept with Neil, Last week, she can't be too, she can't be too jealous. I mean, she had him. <laughs> All she, I don't know, no, no. It probably would just be two jealousies between the two women, but whatever. Hillary versus Nikki was glorious. <laughs> I loved seeing a lot of Nikki this week, and I'm into Hillary. Uh, the, the thing is, though, this, this does bug me. Devon is finally realizing the woman doesn't love me, so I'm going to get over the pain, start moving on with my life, and I'm going to give her the divorce papers. He gives uh, Neil the divorce papers to give to Hillary. So the thing is, if Devon is divorcing her, first of all, why would he need to keep the secret that she requested of him regarding Neil? So I'm wondering, is the secret about Neil kidnapping Hillary ever going to come out? I don't know. But more importantly, Neil decides to take the divorce papers and use them as a, a chance to talk to Hillary about this relationship. Um, he sets a little scene at the at the top of the tower, supposed to be very romantic. He slides Devon's divorce papers right on across the table so that Hillary can see them. I'm surprised. Hillary didn't break a rib trying to get over the table to sign them, but Neil uses it as a way to force Hillary's hand. He says to her, I am never going to love you again. And if you sign those papers, then you're going to be signing away someone who actually does love you. And much to my surprise, I'm, I'm wondering if it was to your surprise, Hillary actually does take Neil's advice and she doesn't sign the papers. She picks up the papers unsigned and runs back to Devon, which is all well and good, but doesn't Devon deserve better than second place? 
I sure think so. I mean, is what is Hillary's mind frame? Is it, okay, well, if Neil doesn't love me, then I guess I'll stay married to Devon, my smart, sexy billionaire husband? Well, I thought that I would wrap up my weekly analysis on a very happy, very romantic note. I, I'm just mooning over the fact that Nikki took her own advice to Chelsea and decided to go to Victor and tell him the truth that she's not having an affair with Neil. She just did it because she wanted to get Victor's attention. And, you know, I think I think the fact that she was talking through her relationship with Victor to Chelsea made her realize what she needed to do. All you, you know, this is the man that you're going to have to deal with. This is the man you're married to. All you can do is love him. That's all you can do. So she goes in and she tells him the truth. And I thought he was going to be so angry. But instead, he just looks at her and feels bad. Because I think Victor knows who he is. At the end of the day, he knows he's a pain in the butt. And that he's, he's not the world's greatest guy to be married to. Surely he has to have some level of self-realization that he's not an easy man to love. And he just looks into her eyes and he gives her a big, kiss. I am a sucker. I am a forever sucker for Victor and Nikki. I, they just, they're the romance of the young and the restless. They are the romance. And I cheered up when they had their kiss. It made me very happy. And the whole time I was thinking, hmm, Victor is going on a little vacation. I wish he would just take Nikki with him. Can't we just have this nice feeling between Nikki and Victor for a minute? I, you know, I just, we've been through a lot with these two. Can't we just have a calm moment? And sure enough, I was so pleased when he asked her to go with him on a second honeymoon. Oh, finally, for all of the vacations, all of the surprise trips and grand world tours that Victor has promised Nikki that they're going to go on over the years. Like every freaking Christmas for the past decade, he's given her a vacation that they never end up going on because there's something more important having to do with Newman Enterprises. Finally, the promise of a trip that might actually happen. I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> Everybody got that who said it quote from last week, correct? Katie, Anna, Victoria, Austin and Naomi, Eric, Ellen C, Sharita, Aaron, Henry, Adam, Nicole, Consuela, Connor, Gary, January, everybody guessed that Adam is the acquired taste. I think everyone is just hanging on every word that Adam says. That is the most correct guesses that we've ever gotten from a who said it quote. <laughs> you guys are tuned into every word that falls out of that man's mouth. Don't think I don't know it. And don't think that he doesn't know it too. <laughs> oh boy. Well, on that note, I'm an acquired taste. You know what else is an acquired taste? Black licorice. <laughs> this is my Genoa City soap bar that I made based on and inspired by the character of Adam. Uh, I, I love the smell of black licorice, but I can't say I really enjoy eating it. It's kind of one of those things I want to behold from a distance, but it's one of those things like people either go, ooh, black licorice or Ugh, black licorice. And to me, that's how Adam Newman is. And believe me, I wanted to get this one right because of all of, ever since I started the Genoa City Soap Project, this is the one that everybody has asked me to do. And I've even heard a lot of suggestions for you know what the fragrance for Adam should be. But I knew pretty early on, in fact, um, it, I wanted to make Adam's bar in the initial 
uh, eight that I did, but I was like, eh, I want to do I want to do some of the more primary characters first. Adam kind of came a little bit later. I got to get my core characters in, but uh, I've been wanting to make this so far for a really long time. I did make a new video on the Genoa City Soap channel if you'd like to hear me talk about the character, who is one of my favorite characters, um, as well as uh, kind of digging into my reasoning behind uh, making Adam in this way. Uh, if you want to check out the essence of Adam video, oh, I just love the smell of black licorice. I like the way the bar turned out um, and one of you guys could win it. Uh, I also, if I was going to do the Adam bar, I also had to make Chelsea. <laughs> so this is the Chelsea bar. Uh, it's kind of a cool blackberry uh, fragrance, but it has some sort of Indian spice to it too, which I was really, really excited to make Chelsea's bar because to me, <clears throat> there was just a lot of easy ideas I had for Chelsea because she's deep and she started off as this con artist in India. And to me, there was a lot of Indian spice I could use and inspiration I could use to kind of work with that. So <clears throat> pretty much, I want to say pretty much uh, everybody who guessed who these two soaps were <laughs> got it right. Last week I posted some photos at GenoaCitySoap.com and asked if you could guess who this soap couple was. And let's see, Adam got it right, Aaron, Katie, Robbie, let's see, Sharita, Jennifer, Connor, Rena, and Consuela says, this is definitely Adam and Chelsea. You were kind of obvious with this one, Allie. <laughs> so I guess I was. I just thought like everybody was going to get the Michael and Lauren bars for for last week and they didn't. But I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I was obvious. <laughs> but shoot. Mm, I, I was just, I also made an essence video for Chelsea, so if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about the character Chelsea and how I've sort of warmed up to her, how I have perceived her character progressing, the essence of Chelsea video is available uh, on the Genoa City Soap channel too. Um, both of these, I have to say, I feel like I nailed it. <laughs> but I do want to know if you guys think that I nailed it. Um, so you'll have to leave me some comments and let me know. And stay tuned next week because I'm going to announce what you can do to enter to win one of these bars of soap. I'm really, really excited about that particularly. So February the 7th, next Sunday, be sure to come back um, and I will tell you exactly how you can enter the giveaway. It'll be super easy and then we'll do a Valentine's Day announcement the following Sunday to find out who wins the Genoa City Soap. Will it be a Chelsea or an Adam Bar or a Michael and a Lauren Bar? I don't know. We'll find out with Soap for Soap Fans Continued. You guys all pretty much guessed the who said it quote for last week, but I'm, I gotta do that. I think this one is easy, <laughs> but I gotta do it. The line just stuck out like a sore thumb to me and I couldn't pass it up. If you watched this episode, you'll know immediately who said it. If you did miss this episode, you're going to be so lost and you're going to say, what? Why on earth would anyone say this? <laughs> so the who said it quote for this week is, who doesn't like a flightless seabird movie? <laughs> what? Just weird randomness from YNR. Who doesn't like a flightless seabird movie? If you think you know who said it, you can go to yrchat.com. And if you get it right, I will give you your props during next week's chatteroo. Let's read some comments. Oh, I got a fun voicemail from Marion in France. Uh, I've never heard from her before and she wanted to tell me that she loved the David Kimball and Nina uh, storyline that was like one of her favorite 
favorite storylines of all time, which I didn't get to see firsthand, but I've heard through legend. Uh, let's see, Marion, they're three, three to four years behind in France, which I didn't know that, my goodness. Uh, but she watches YNR chat on Mondays to catch up on the current week. I can't imagine being that far behind. I mean, I guess you wouldn't necessarily know it, but it would be hard because you don't get to connect necessarily with the larger community of people who are watching uh, at the, the currently produced episode. So that would be kind of a bummer, but shoot, watch, see what you can watch online. I don't even know if you can. You probably can't watch them on, online then. Gosh, I don't know. Shoot, well, I'm glad YNR Chat can at least keep you updated there. Um, Henry on YouTube uh, talked a little bit uh, about Gina Tognoni. He wanted to tell me that she came from Guiding Light because <clears throat> last week I had uh, talked about, or I think I had mentioned that I wondered if Gina Tognoni had come from General Hospital, which is where Jason Thompson uh, recently came from, and I was thinking maybe they had kind of a connection. Maybe they knew each other before or had acted together before, but Henry says, I was a big Guiding Light fan and I knew of Gina's acting abilities from that soap and as a result I was very excited to learn that she would be the cast uh, as the new Phyllis on YNR. I knew she would knock it out of the park, Henry says, as she continues to do. I really agree, Henry, and I'm very impressed with her performance over the past week. It's not only been a great performance, it's really been great like, great writing. I feel like YNR put Phyllis front and center this past week, and no doubt about it, she knocked it out of the park. The subtle facial, like she was giving a facial performance uh, over the course of the, this week. She was, it was like a full body performance, and she just delivered. Oh, I'm so glad to read this comment. Too. Rocks, 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 Grace on YouTube says, Hey, Allie, not only has Jill not been in to see Billy awake yet, but what about Ashley and Tracy? I hope we get some scenes with all of them this upcoming week. Otherwise, that'll be a major fail on YNR's part. Yes! So last week, I was w wondering why Jill was absolutely wringing her hands 24-7 in the hospital over Billy, and now he's awake, and she didn't even get to see it? I mean, it was literally like Jess Walton was on Friday's show, Billy woke up on Monday's show, and she was gone. Why could they not have kept Jess Walton for one more episode? I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know that Ashley even got into the hospital this week. It was suggested that she was. I remember her talking about it, but I don't know if we saw her in the hospital with Billy. And I can see maybe not bringing back Tracy, but Jill, I mean, we were invested in Jill's story and what she was going through, and I don't know why YNR would not just go the extra mile. And in fact, this comment that Rocks, 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 Grace left, I think she left it last Sunday. I mean, it was definitely toward the beginning part of the week, and she was hoping that this current week we'd actually get to see Jill or some acknowledgement of Jill. Um, otherwise, that would be a fail on YNR's part. Well, it was a big fail. They can't even acknowledge it with uh, another character saying, hey, I just got off the phone with Jill. She is here at so-and-so. She, she unfortunately is stuck in traffic, and she can't be here. I don't know. Whatever. Make up an excuse, but acknowledge it, YNR. Come on. <laughs> um, let's see, Daisy on Facebook made about 101 great points this week, but I'm going to pick this one. Um, she says, even though Victor has left on a second honeymoon with Nikki, it's possible that he's making it look like the company is vulnerable without him just to draw out Phyllis, maybe Natalie too. I really agree, Daisy, and I kind of was wondering about that too. Victor took that bait from Adam a little too easily. I think he is very well aware that Adam's potentially up to something, and I kept looking for hints that maybe Victor knew that Phyllis was the one behind the, whatever, the other investor. He didn't indicate that. I haven't seen him make connect those dots yet, but I don't think for a minute that Victor is just deciding to step back and let his kids run the empire. There's just no way. He definitely has a little something up his sleeve. Maybe he's going to be monitoring the situation from his honeymoon. I'm sure it's probably going to, Nikki's going to think she's going to go on a romantic honeymoon, but he's probably going to be checking his phone every single day. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Phaedra left me also a fun voicemail and she had to let me know about this Philly, uh, excuse me, Philly, yeah, Phyllis Billy Jack Triangle that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Phaedra says, no, <laughs> I don't like the idea of Phyllis and Billy together. Phyllis mentioned that she sees Billy as an annoying kid brother. Once you see someone in that light, you can't see them in a romantic way. That is a very valid point, Phaedra. It is kind of weird. Yeah, at the same time, Tawny left me a message on YouTube and says, Allie, I think you're on to something with Billy and Phyllis. I felt the chemistry. Ooh la la. So that is our poll question for this week. Do you think Billy and Phyllis will develop a romantic connection? You can cast your vote on that at yrchat.com. I kind of think that YNR is probably headed in that direction. I'm not seeing a whole lot of like overt um, um, like breadcrumbs that they're going there immediately. I think YNR is going there, but I don't think it's immediately. I think we're going to see it, though, whether we like it or not, or maybe maybe you like it, maybe you don't like it. You just let me know if you think that YNR might go there. <laughs> now, let's, let's take out the whether we want it to happen or not. Is that where we're headed? I think that's a good question. Um, Gary left me a voicemail and said, I have to hand it to the YNR creative team for making Natalie look so awkward in a wedding dress. <laughs> also, he said regarding Marissa's dress, I'm vetoing armbands. <laughs> it's so weird because, first of all, Natalie, oh man, was she a sore thumb or not? The whole, um wedding or the whole like Chelsea's wedding fashion show thing. It was a little bit lame. It was basically what four girls, Natalie and Lily and Marissa and oh no. And then it was like Summer and Abby. I think they all showed different uh, wedding dresses that Chelsea supposedly designed. And Natalie was so, I mean, she just looked like a weird bird with, with her dress on and the veil. I hate veils. Like every single dress had a veil on it. Let's let's get it. I don't know. It's just I can't stand I don't like that. I don't like the hanging off. I just I thought like summer looked frumpy and I just it just didn't look like none of it was like high like like cutting fashion like cutting edge fashion I did not get but I did want to um Gary reminded me that I'm like you know I need to ask everybody what their favorite dress was. Uh, I think it would be interesting to hear your uh your picks because I loved Marissa's armbands. Gary, you're gonna kill me. But I was like, ooh, Marissa's my best dress. Not just because I like Marissa. I liked the dress. It was more sleek and classic and not like big frilly frumpy whatever. I mean, the, yeah, I, it, it would have looked pretty without the armbands, but I don't know. She was kind of my number one. That's that's just me. But I also liked Lily. I mean, I would never wear like a midriff <laughs> wedding dress in a million years, but she rocked it. It was um, kind of, I don't know, it looked like crystals on a sort of a bra-like looking top. And then, I mean, she just pulled it off. Crystal Khalil was like, I mean, it was just mind-blowing how pretty she looked. But Nat and Natalie, she looked dorky cute. I would, I would say it, was, it falls under the category of dorky cute. Probably Summer was my least favorite. I don't know. Who was your favorite? Uh, who wore your favorite wedding dress and who wore your least favorite wedding dress? Just one more fashion note that I have to say. Chelsea, okay. <sighs> Last week she showed up with darker hair, so her hair has been dyed dark, and she was wearing these dark, this very dark lipstick, and it, all throughout last week and this week, it was dark hair, dark lipstick, and then for the fashion show she was wearing this dark under eye shadow. Chelsea is giving me, like, it's kind of like straight out of Tim Burton. No thanks, let's pull it back. <laughs> I really am liking Chelsea, but the look is too severe. Does anybody else notice that or is it just me being not nice? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, um, Gary also commented on non-fashion things. Let's see, he, he kind of got me thinking here about Dr. Anderson. Gary asks, is she a real psychologist? Psychiatrist, sorry psychiatrist. I wonder about that because I am curious to know if she is under some kind of assumed identity. Is she fully 
faking this whole psychiatric career that she's had. And if so, that might very well play into her huge downfall. I mean, if the woman is not just malpracticing, but is totally assuming a false identity, that's somehow so much worse. And I, I, I'm wondering if there's any chance that she is somehow involved with The Path or Ian Ward. I've never quite wanted to let that go in my brain because Dr. Anderson ha is going to be, she's connected to Patty. I'm still thinking that Patty has got to return somehow. And we know that Patty is off somewhere or is connected to Ian Ward. So um, I, I just, I, I want there to be more to that part of the story. Katie on Facebook says um, that it looks like Sage has a right hook. <laughs> I literally screamed because it caught me so off guard, but I loved it. Go Sage. I saw so many comments of Sage love and support this week. It was really uh, wonderful. I'm feeling totally not alone. I didn't, I don't think I heard uh, anybody say they didn't enjoy seeing Sage punch Dr. Anderson. That has to be endearing for the fans. Uh, Connor left me a voicemail and he put some focus on the scene in Paul's office where Dylan was questioning Adam and Chelsea about Adam's kidnapping and they were talking a little bit about Sharon and Adam was mentioning how he was there for Sharon during her mental illness which is very true um, and Connor just made a really good point about how bad he feels for Chelsea because Adam is constantly going to bat for Sharon and Sage. And meanwhile, Chelsea is just kind of sitting back and watching it happen. I mean, we saw it couple times just this week and it would be really hard to be his wife on, on that level and to watch him standing there you know giving support to Sharon giving support to Sage vehement support to Sage meanwhile Chelsea's kind of standing back here going you're lying to me you're not including me what's going you know what's going on I, I feel like it, it, it's easier to be loved by Adam than it is to love him maybe uh, Consuela left a message on YouTube that says, I love Dr. Neville. He's just this weird, quirky, socially awkward character. And so his reaction to Ashley's kiss was perfect. He just had this look on his face like, what? <laughs> I'm glad to know that other people were enjoying that scene because he is just the freshest, most awesome new addition to the show for me. Kind of wish Natalie would turn out to be his daughter. Uh, Aaron on YouTube was he wanted to say, uh, Abby, thumbs down. If Abby wants to connect with Ben, why not just try talking to him and connecting with him and expressing uh, feelings on this new world that he's been zapped into instead of trying to buy his love? Oh, I think she, I think he means um, Max. Um, if she wants to connect with the child, why not try to actually connect with him instead of buying his love? Um, Aaron says, Abby clearly isn't ready for marriage and, uh, and she's pushing him away. She's pushing Ben away and keeping uh, her at a distance every week. Sorry, I'm reading poorly <laughs> this week. Uh, Abby's not ready for marriage, and Ben is not either the way he's constantly pushing Abby away every week. I agree. These two people are definitely not ready for a relationship. I can kind of understand this type of immaturity and inexperience coming from Abby, but it is a little surprising to see it coming from Stitch. Okay, my YNR friends, I think that does it for me for this week. I was so glad to see lots of comments coming in. It seemed like the week before was a little bit dead. So you guys bombed me with your awesome comments this past week, and I hope you do it again. There are a couple different ways. I love hearing from you in voicemail form. So if you want to call in and leave your comment, the telephone number is 309 588 Four five six nine, or you can go to yrchat.com and leave comments on the blog or find the links to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and you can leave comments there as well. So whichever is your favorite way to sound off, I hope you do and I hope you come back next week for info on the Soap for Soap fans giveaway and for an awesome new week of chatting about our favorite show. My favorite show anyway. I assume that it's yours. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, everybody, have a good week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.